Good morning. My name is Simon Peter. And I'm one of those guys that follows Jesus around. Actually, I'm one of Jesus' best friends. I have seen Jesus perform all sorts of miracles. I have seen him teach all sorts of things. And just the other day, this rich young guy came by to see Jesus and he said, Jesus, now I'm doing all the commandments God taught me to do. What else do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus told him, well, you need to go sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. Now, I think that's a little strange. Well, then Jesus took all of us, all of his followers, and pulled us off to the side. And Jesus told us, you know, it's hard for a rich man to get in to the kingdom of heaven. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. If it's hard for the rich guy who's respected and everybody loves him and he's doing well in society, well, what hope do I have? I'm poor. I'm just a fisherman. I can't even read very well. And yet, this guy's going to have trouble getting into heaven. What hope do I have? And so we turned to Jesus and we said, Jesus, who can be saved? And Jesus said, for God, all things are possible. Well, okay, okay, okay. So Jesus is saying it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven, but with God, all things are possible. Okay, I'm starting to get this. I'm starting to get this. All right, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've been there since the beginning. I was one of the first few disciples that Jesus called. I've been with Jesus. I've walked all over with Jesus. I've seen all sorts of things with Jesus. Doesn't that mean that I get more than these guys who are coming along later? Doesn't that mean that there's more in this for me? And so I go up to Jesus and I say, now, now Jesus, I gave up my house. I gave up my family. I gave up my business to follow you. What am I going to get out of this deal? What will there be for me? What's in it for me? What am I going to have at the end that's going to be different than this guy over here? What am I going to have? In the passage that Linda just read for us, we have Jesus' answer to Peter's question. Actually, we have Jesus' answer to both the rich young man and to Peter. What must I do to have eternal life? And what will there be for me? Jesus' answer is both simple and complex. In God's eyes, it doesn't matter how long you have believed. It doesn't matter how old you are when you come to faith. It doesn't matter how young you are when you come to faith. It's the fact that you came to faith. That's all that God cares about. And all believers will receive the same gift. The gift of grace, the gift of love, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. We will all receive eternity spent in the arms of the Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. All of us receive the same gift of presence in love. Peter will receive the same as the rich young man. We will receive the same as Peter. The simple part is that the gift is given and the gift is accepted. That's the simple part. The complex part is that there are people who have a hard time with that idea. Some people have a hard time accepting that God can love them. Some people have a hard time saying, but I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. They have a hard time accepting that. The complex part 
is that grace does not depend upon our works. The gift of salvation does not depend upon our works. The complex part is that God already loves us. The complex part is that God's sense of fairness and generosity does not necessarily follow what we consider to be fair and generous. We want to be ranked. We want to be ranked by who's believed the most, the longest. We want to be compensated for, hey, I've been a believer all my life. Don't I get more than that? That's not what Jesus' generosity is about. That's the complex part. Our reward is eternal life spent with the Creator who loves us more than we can possibly imagine. We can understand that for me. We can understand it for those of us in our room together. But what does that mean to the others? Miracle Village is a place in Florida that was built and constructed as a haven for criminals who now have a restriction on where they live, such as sex offenders and for pedophiles. They're restricted. They can't live near children. They can't live near schools. And so for many criminals in that capacity where there's now a restriction where they can live, the best option for them is homelessness, just to wander the streets. Well, instead, a group came together, a Christian group came together to construct Miracle Village. It is designed to be a safe and secure place where former criminals can live and where they can find work. Patty Opperly, when she was first appointed at First United Methodist Church of Pahokee, Florida, was invited to go to a chapel service at Miracle Village. When she went, she was surprised and taken by how beautiful the music was, how uplifting the music was. Now, Patty had been looking for a worship director to come to First Church and to start a new contemporary worship service. And the gentleman named Chad at Miracle Village had done such a great job with that service, she wanted to talk to him about it, about coming to First Church. Now, she knew, she knew that it was not going to be easy to convince a congregation to allow these criminals, these former criminals, these sex offenders and pedophiles into the church building. She knew that was going to be tough. So they started simply. They brought Chad in to lead the Ash Wednesday service at First Church. Many of the naysayers who didn't want those people there came to that service and left some of the staunchest supporters of Miracle Village. They were inviting these, these individuals, these men, to come to worship. They're saying, come sing in the choir with us. Today, First UMC Pahokee, Florida, is in ministry with Miracle Village that they put together fresh linens and hygiene kits for the new residents at Miracle Village. Now, I understand that not every church can be in ministry with sex offenders. I get that. I get that, especially to the degree that First Church Pahokee is. I understand that. But I think all of us can also see in the story that First Church was able to see these individuals living at Miracle Village as people who are loved by God. They were able to see, First Church could see at Miracle Village individuals who had also received God's grace. And the people at First Church could see at Miracle Village these people need to be in ministry too. They want a church to go to. They want to be in a choir. They want to have fellowship events. How can we do this together? 
first church rightly saw individuals loved by God who needed a place where they could be in ministry to. This parable of Jesus gets difficult because everyone, everyone is loved by God. And everyone, everyone, no matter what they may have done in their life, in the past or in the future, receives grace given to them by God. We believe that grace is free for all and free in all. We believe that if someone says, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, no matter what their past looks like, no matter where they live or who they are with, God says, come on in. Because we believe that gift of salvation is for all people. And in this parable that we see today, that means that the members of this church receive the same as Peter, receive the same as the rich young man, receive the same as the members of First Church, Pahokee, and the believers who are now living in Miracle Village. What we receive is eternal life spent in the presence of the Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. That's the hard part. The hard part is I'm the other for someone else. The hard part is that that love doesn't stop. It keeps going outside the walls. When I read this parable, I don't really have a problem with someone who's been a believer a shorter amount of time than me receiving the same gift. That doesn't really bother me. I've been a Christian all my life. I can't remember not going to church at any time in my life. But I don't really have a problem if someone shows up here today and says, hey, I'm a new believer. I'm like, great, come on in. The workers in our story don't see it that way. They see it as, but I've been around a lot longer. I deserve more. I don't really have a problem with that. Last year, as we were working on Harvest 2018, this was the evangelism and worship event that we had over at the school stadium. We were doing that last year, and Diana and Melanie and I went to a training for this evangelism event. It was held at First Assembly of God in Levon, and Mike Powell was given the training. And Mike said something at that training that really stuck with me. He said, new Christians are better evangelists than long-term Christians. And I thought, well, that sounds a little bit strange. But here's the reasoning behind his words. We have a tendency to surround ourselves with people who are like mind, people who look like us, who think the same way. And so we have a tendency, the longer that we've been a Christian, all of our friends are also Christians. When I think back to when Steve and I got married, we had three wedding showers. Every single person that came to any of those wedding showers were all members of the same church where we were members at the time. Even today, I can tell you my immediate neighbors that live around me, I know which ones, which church they all go to. It seems that the long-term Christians, we've already invited all of our friends to church, and they've already turned us down. The new Christians are the ones who are surrounded by the not-yet-believer group. And so it's the new Christians that can go out and have a little bit more success at inviting. All of us can go out and invite family, friends, neighbors, classmates, strangers to come to church with us. It just seems that new Christians are typically around people who have not experienced church yet and are more inclined to seek and are more inclined to hear. So I can understand new Christians coming in. That's not something for me to be envious of. That's something for me to be joyful of. No matter how long we have been in the faith, 
We all receive the, re receive the reward of eternal life spent with the Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. With that said, I also understand that we have rewards living as Christians in the here and now. We've talked about this before, that the kingdom of heaven is not just at the end of life and in eternal life. The kingdom of heaven is here and now in our midst. It is wherever and whenever the will of God is done. It's wherever the workers are in the vineyard, whenever the landowner sits them to work, and it is until the end of daylight. We have rewards in the here and now in our faith that we live here on earth. I would call that sensing God's presence. I would call it peace. I would call it joy. I have gotten permission from Chris Perry to share this part of his story. Last Sunday night at our Simon Peter study at the Jangula's house, we were talking about how we can sense Jesus' presence with us, how we can sense God moving among us, especially when we face the storms of life. We were talking about how we, we, I knew God was here with me in this circumstance or in this circumstance. And Chris Perry said, I don't really get that. I can't really relate to that. This is the first church Chris has ever been a member of. And he joined in 2016, late 2016. This whole faith stuff is still very new to him. Which is one of the reasons why I think Chris is so great in the youth ministry, because he's got the same questions. And we can have the same conversations. And for Chris, he's still trying to feel his way around. Still trying to get, get a lot of those questions answered. Now, I don't remember if it was Diane or if it was her sister, Linda. One of them asked Chris, well then, how did you get through those storms in life? How did you make it through? Because the believers just assume Jesus is right there with us. A non-believer, maybe not so much. So they asked him, how did that feel? And Chris has a military background. He is a veteran of the Army. And so what he said was, I had to rely on my buddy on my left and my buddy on my right. That's a very military training idea that the only person you can rely on is the guy on your right and the guy on your left. The guy on your left, the guy on your right. Learning to sense the movement of the Holy Spirit takes practice. And it's not really learning to sense the movement of the Holy Spirit, it's learning to name it as that. I can tell you what it feels like in my life, what the presence of Jesus besides me feels like. I can tell you that. But I can also tell you that it's probably different for many of us in this room. It's something we learn over time. What it feels like to have Jesus there. What the overwhelming peace feels like. What the joy feels like. It just takes time. Chris is going to get there. Chris, Ethan, Jonathan, Ashley, Devin, they're all going to learn what that nudge of the Holy Spirit feels like. They're all going to learn what that presence of Jesus feels like. They're all going to learn what that peace feels like. Now, does that mean that God loves Chris less than any of the rest of us? No way. Absolutely not. Does it mean that Chris's time in eternal life is going to be slightly different from mine because I was a believer for longer? No. No. But it does mean that Chris is now going to learn the rewards of being a believer in the here and now, in the kingdom of heaven that exists here on this earth, wherever and whenever the will of God is done.
this parable is not about who gets what and when. This parable is about God's generosity, God's choice to be generous, God's gift of love that overwhelms, God saying, I have chosen to give to all. And that's the beauty in this parable. I want to close with one last story, something I saw a video about this week. There was a young family that went to Wendy's for dinner. They had a young daughter, probably about three or four years old, and then an infant son. While we were there, this older gentleman came in, commented on, on how beautiful the family was, and said, may I buy your daughter a Frosty? And the father said, well, sure. Brought over a Frosty to the young girl. Then the father noticed this gentleman was going to each table in the restaurant, seeing all the children in the restaurant, and buying Frosties for every child there. Those children did not do anything to earn those Frosties. They didn't believe anything specific. The man wanted to be generous. He just wanted to be generous. And he gave. May we see the awesome generosity of God. Be thankful and place our faith in the love of God in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.